Greetings, friends. We welcome you to another episode of the Church's Changing Podcast. I am Paul Nixon from Discipleship Ministries, and I'm here with my friends Nick Talbot and Eric Meyer from Salina, Kansas. Nick is pastor at University United Methodist Church, and Eric is pastor of Trinity United Methodist Church, both located in Salina. And we are in a conversation today about the way that they have discovered partnership in ministry and some real fruitfulness. Hey, guys, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Oh, we're glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here, Paul. You guys met. How long ago did you meet one another? We met in July of 21. Dang, it's been a while. <laughs> it has. That was in the middle of the crazy, crazy. So it was. what caused you to meet? How did you find each other? I was brand new. just was appointed to Salina. Nick had been here two years. Yeah, two years. And we also had a brand new district superintendent who was basically our boss. Mm-hmm. And she had a, a welcome event, a welcome dinner at one of the local church, welcome lunch, I guess, at one of the local churches. And I walked in and Nick was sitting close to me and heavily tattooed, bald bearded guy. And I thought, well, he looks like an interesting character. I got to go see what, uh, <laughs> if he's a pastor or what. And that's how I remember the initial initial meeting. Yeah, that's not the first time that's happened to me in my career in ministry, especially at our clergy gatherings. I stand out a little bit as, you know, being 6'2", bald-headed, bearded, and fully sleeve tattooed. So you met in the middle of the pandemic. It was a time when United Methodist churches were struggling. They've been struggling anyway. I mean, they've been struggling for a while, but assuming that both of these churches were on either a decline or were kind of plateaued, is that fair assumption? Yeah, very fair assumption. Trinity was, oh, they were worshiping two worship services. One was a a contemporary service in which they were using lyric videos because they'd lost their praise band. And they were down maybe two-thirds attendance. And we're just starting to explore coming back. What does it look like? Are are we using masks? Are we not using masks? And we had lost our youth. You know, the youth just disappeared. As they did a lot of places. Nick, pretty similar for you? Yeah, university is one of those where we sit on the campus of Kansas Wesleyan University. And so the pandemic was kind of twofold for us. One is as an aging congregation that had been declining for several years. It was really hard on that demographic of our congregation. I mean, it was basically non-existent. And then then you have 900 college students that were trapped on a campus in the middle of a pandemic. And so on the university side, like our ministry really picked up, but it just was a different focus than what had been before. And so ministry stayed pretty active. Well, you were very creative, Nick, how you, how you used that time. You built some relationships over at Kansas Wesleyan. Tell us about that briefly. You know, I think presence is undefeated. Forever, the church has kind of had the home field advantage that we expect people to come through our doors and our hallways. And so there's many times we sit and wait and you know, the pandemic kind of forced our hand. So we had to do something different. So I just started uh, sitting in coaches offices, sitting in the student union and began building relationships with the coaches of the teams, began building relationships with the students, began a chaplaincy program where we assigned chaplains or pastors, lay leaders to individual teams. So I serve the baseball and football team teams that I serve. So we, I go to practices, I go to games, I pray with them before games, I lead devotionals for the team. So we 
just decided it was time for us to get out of our own building and go meet the students where they're at. And the pandemic kind of gave us the perfect opportunity to do that. Okay. So you're building relationships. The church is still in the ditch, really both churches. Back over at Trinity, after a year of pandemic, you had a youth minister, but you had no kids that were left in your program. Were you sharing that youth minister at that point, or was that just over at Trinity? No, that was um, that was just at Trinity, and it was, we lost a youth pastor. She had been here, was very loved, and been here for years, and got married and moved away. Okay. And so the first response was, okay, now coming out of the pandemic, we need to look exactly like we used to look, and we used to have a youth pastor, so we need to hire a new one. And we just didn't have any youth. And the ones that we had, uh, you know, there was just not a, a good connection. And it's, it's hard to pay a full-time salary when we, we, I think we got down to like eight youth. So we had to adjust. We had to shift. So you laid off that staff member? Correct. Okay. Well, that was kind of a bold move. And then over this time, you guys began to, to do some collaboration together. Tell us about how that started. You know, we were both kind of in the same situation where we had, you know, universities, a, a smaller church, were right in that 75 to 100 range on a Sunday morning. So we were, we had that same amount of youth, about eight students. And so we were out on a walk one day because we were both suffering the slings and arrows of ministry and decided to, to take a January day and go for a hike instead of being around the church building. And on that hike, it was like, you have a small youth group, we have a small youth group. Why don't we work together and find a way that we can give that big youth group feel to our students that happen to attend both of our churches? And Nick had the relationship with a couple of football players that really wanted to get into ministry. So we had the funds available set aside in the budget because we no longer had a full-time person that we were paying. So we hired the youth pastors to work three hours a week or so. And all of this came to us as we're walking around Marty Bender Park. And about halfway through the park, we said, oh, what if we did this? And we reached out to the, the athletes, and they thought the idea sounded fantastic. And we still had a youth council at that point, though some of the parents and some of the kids, though they weren't attending the Wednesday night programming, they agreed to come to a youth council meeting and listen to what we had to offer. And we asked them if they would connect with their friends, if they liked this idea. So they came, they met the interns, one of whom was just personality plus. And there was a football player, a sophomore in high school. And at the end of the meeting, he looked at me and said, I got 12 friends, I'll bring them all. This sounds great. <laughs> okay, all right. So that, that was the kind of the, the ideas. You know, we've always kind of had this method of youth ministry, especially in some of your larger United Methodist churches, and, and I'm sure beyond, is where you, know, you have that dedicated staff person that they do the programming, they do the planning, and they present a youth service or youth activity. And we said, what if we turn that back into a, a core of adult volunteers, right? So you need supervision and adults that have experience and that they can mentor these college students as they come and walk alongside our middle school and high school students. Uh, I mean, these college students are not far removed from the youth group experience. They're not far removed from, uh, you know, being a 13-year-old freshman in high school. And what we found is, is the kids really connected with the, the college interns. And I think it was at that moment we thought we're on to something. Well, you definitely were on to something in that 
you moved from a single staff person who had to have the personality breadth and range to relate to as many as they could to a team of different personalities who now have a wider range of reach just because they're different people. Yeah, and we've explored this relationship from a number of ways. And, and Nick and I are just amazed at that what has developed and how different it is than what we anticipated. We thought that we were coming up with a new way to serve youth, to serve the youth of our church. Okay. What we discovered is that we were connecting with and helping to transform the lives of college students who were desperate for a faith-based community. And they've just reacted with with a response that we couldn't have imagined. When when Nick put out the invitation on the campus-wide email, we had 95 students apply to be part of this program. Wow. Now, we started with two football players, and now we're at 95 applicants. How, how did that happen? Well, we were invited to go through an incubator process uh, with the conference where you know, it was kind of presented to us as, as to find a creative idea to do new and innovative ministry. And so we took that intern idea and we, we wrote a, a Shark Tank, a pitch for it that says, uh, you know, what if University and Trinity became congregations that are invested in teaching the next generation of clergy, of laity, of board members, of trustee chairs? What if we were the church that produced this and literally sent it to every corner of the world? And we thought we would do this by creating a program where students can spend three to four years in their college experience working at the church, youth ministry, children's ministry, worship ministry, visitation, tech, you know, everything that, you know, makes the, the engine turn. And what if we could have interns in each one of these positions uh, that allows them to leave in four years with a, something on the resume and sending them to their next local church when they return home from college with a set of skills that can directly go back and serve this church. So we presented that to the conference and they granted us some money to pay these interns to get them on staff here at the church. And so the conference invested in this, which has allowed us, you know, I think right now we have 24 interns on staff. 24 interns. 24 interns on staff. Okay. And you're paying all of them or the conference is helping to pay them? And- yes, the conference is helping to pay. And you know, we're learning as we go along that it's not just as easy as bringing in general contractors and paying them on, for the hours they work. We had to set all of them up as employees and we need to have somebody help manage all of that. Uh, we're using Homebase, which is an app that helps them check in. But the beautiful thing about this is we've connected with graduate assistants at the college who want to use this as their ministry. And the college has given us a graduate assistant to help run this. So we're running 24 students, but we have a graduate assistant who is also getting the experience of basically running a business and getting a bit of a salary for it and working on his master. This manager from the college, are they paid by the college or are you paying them? Uh, well, the college is giving them free tuition for their master's degree. I'm calling that they're paid by the college. Okay, so there's three paradigm shifts here. I mean, first of all, you went from a single person trying to do everything to a team which had a wider range of personality and gifts and so forth. Then you went from being a ministry that was primarily about serving a constituency within the church to being a ministry of equipping leaders to serve in a, in a wide variety of areas, starting with youth ministry and then going on. So you became a ministry training center. That's a huge shift. And then on top of that, this partnering with Kansas Wesleyan University, that's beginning, that, that partnership in itself is an interesting shift. 
Yeah, I mean, really, the, the, the key has been President Matt Thompson, who's the president of Kansas Wesleyan. You know, when I came four years ago, he was desperate for a relationship with the university church. I mean, the university church was built by the faculty and staff at Kansas Wesleyan University over 100 years ago. They gave 20% of their income for a year to build that building. So like that building steeped in that tradition of Kansas Wesleyan and then throughout you know, the ebbs and flows of ministry over 100 years you saw a disconnect. And so one of the things I was asked to do when coming here four years ago is to connect. And President Thompson opened that door and gave me access and let me be on campus. Let me be in staff meetings. Let me be in faculty meetings. Let me pray before football games and basketball games. And so he opened the door and swung it wide open. But he also opened the door for invitation because at Kansas Wesleyan, one of their big ideas is is the power of and, is you're going to come here to play football and get an education and singing the musical and, you know, so it's always about the power of Anne. And President Thompson believed that the spiritual health, it was deeply important and something that should have a lot of focus and energy. We couldn't do this without his support because he gives us access to the students and gives us access to the faculty and not just Matt, but his entire leadership team has come on board and is really supporting this program to the point where we have a brand new bishop And they reached out to the bishop and said that they wanted to introduce him to this ministry. And he did a tour last week, his first tour of of the conferences, and wanted to stop and visit some of the larger churches. Also wanted to see some of the ministries that were taking place. So Nick and I were invited to that meeting. We sat down. We had no idea really what their purpose was other than they told us they just wanted to tell the bishop about the internship program. That turned into Matt Thompson saying, you can't move these guys. We're, we've got such a unique program here. Bishop, these two are helping run it, and it's a partnership between the three of us. You, you just can't replicate this by sending them somewhere else and bringing somebody in. Don't move them. <laughs> so wow. you know, to have the, have the president of a university tell our bishop that, that's how important the university sees the work that we're doing. So you had 16 youth back at the beginning of this story between two churches, and even that was tenuous. What happened to youth ministry? Let's just start with that. I'm thrilled. Okay, so you know we're, we're averaging in that 30 number, which is a good solid number. But we also flipped that on its head too, okay? So we, all, we asked ourselves a question. Why were we able to get the college students' response the way it was? Why did we get 95 applicants? I think it was because I spent that time on campus building relationships with the students. So we are entering into a new season of youth ministry where we are asking our interns to go do the same with the middle school and high school students. So we have our administrative assistant has gotten athletic passes for all the middle schools and high schools, uh, play passes for the, for the interns can now go and meet those students where they're at the same way we went and met the college students where they are. So our interns, we have a few of them that come on Wednesday nights for youth, but we also have interns that their job is to go to the Tuesday night middle school track meet and cheer on the middle school kids that are running in it. And so we've, we're, again, church has always had the home field advantage. And I think it's time we go play on the road. And so we are, we are doing with our interns for the middle school and high school students the same thing we did for them by building relationships right where they're at, being invested in life on their terms and not ours. Wow. So we're, we're kind of coming out of this pandemic, I think, I hope, kind of, maybe. At any rate, <laughs> is this emerging ministry of partnership with the university to really train and prepare 
future Christian leaders in the midst of your ministry as a laboratory. Is that making a difference in the life of University and Trinity United Methodist Churches? Yes, absolutely. One of the the experiences I have that brings me the most joy is walking through the church on Sunday morning and seeing our retired congregation members who love having the college students here, high-fiving them and, and connecting with them. We've got college students that, that we set up as greeters so they can get to know the, the members of the congregation. So they're handing out bulletins and greeting people and, and working in the sound booth with our regulars. And the, the idea was never just to have the, the college students come here and serve us. It was always to connect them with a member who's a volunteer. So Tyler Brenneman is our, our tech guy and our worship director. He's got an intern that's helping him catalog and organize all of our choral music. And this young man also then is part of the proofreading team. So proofreading everything we publish. And he's, so he's getting to know Tyler. He's getting to know the other people on the proofreading team. And he's an English major. So all of this looks good on his resume. And so it's a relationship, as Nick said, relationships are the key to ministry. As our district superintendent says, ministry moves at the speed of relationships. That's what we're trying to do with these students is, is build relationships that just might transform their lives and the lives of the people that they're meeting here. And, you know, on the university side, you know, you know, Trinity is a larger church, so it's able to absorb some of the uncomfort of having new faces around. Right, uh, because it's there's so many people that you know you can kind of get lost in the shuffle at Trinity, where a university is a smaller congregation, and you know so th- some of the things that we've battled. I mean, the the difficult piece of that is you know you get the ones that you know the pastor only cares about the students. We used to be we used to be able to do all these things, but now the students do those things. You know, so we have a little bit of that friction that takes place with you know completely changing a paradigm in a church of it's no longer about us, but about our transient college student guests that have come into our, come into this space for a finite amount of time. And we're being called to engage with that mission field. And it comes with growing pains and it comes with friction. And, you know, that's, I guess that comes with any kind of ministry or innovation that happens in the church. A little bit of just personal story for me. I grew up in a university related church, actually in three different places near the University of Texas, near a university in California, and then Baylor University. My dad was a minister. I was a PK, so forth. But in all three places, I watched in a different era how university students bring this amazing amount of energy, silver and gold, not so much, but amazing energy into the life of a church. But but there was a time back in those days when, when university students came to school and came out of maybe a good youth program or whatever, and they were wired to go look for a local church. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. And so a lot of these churches that were really powerful symbiotic relationships with institutions of higher learning, they just don't see many students anymore, and that, and that energy is lost. You have discovered a way to re-engage a, par- a real partnership with 20-year-olds, that are, and, and that is quite amazing. And we get phone calls and texts from students that will ask us to come listen to their stories that they haven't even told the parents uh, because we've got that relationship of trust. And everybody that's listening to this podcast has seen the statistics of how mental health 
issues are affecting our teenagers and and 20-somethings. And we have an opportunity to connect with them and walk with them in some really challenging issues. And it's because they know us and they trust us and they meet us on Sunday or they, or they experience us visiting them in their space, watching their games, praying with them, that they now trust us enough to come talk about some real life-shaping issues. Well, it's quite exciting. And the fact that the university president, I mean, the stars aligned here. You guys, obviously, in that walk, you discovered a synergy. But the fact that the president of the, of the school also began to see, hey, this fits in with what I'm trying to do here. And the fact that you together have created this kind of partnership. And your churches are growing now, yes? The churches are growing. We've This past Sunday, university was just 101, 101 people in and that little contemporary worship service that was barely alive with a video for the music, we now have a full praise band and we have students playing in the praise band and 80 some student, 80 some people in the worship service, uh, in addition to the two traditional worship services we have. And, and those are growing. One of the fun stories is the choir also has two students, interns who are assisting and they're learning how to direct the choir. And that choir treats those students like they're the children or grandchildren of the choir members. And it is such a joy to see. And they're just, they're, they're like their kids. Mm-hmm. And so those relationships are growing, but also the worship service is just phenomenal. And people are coming to visit to see what's going on. And that vibrancy the youth bring, Paul, that you had mentioned, yes, they don't bring silver or gold. They're, they're never going to be... Uh, well, they might not be a giving unit for years, but we do have students that stay here. In fact, at university, one of those students graduated. She's an alumni, and she joined the church, and now she's on the board, the administrative council. Yeah, and, she was one of our first interns. So along with those two football players came Brenna, and Brenna was a former softball player at Kansas Wesleyan and uh, was in her last semester of college, and she started helping out with the youth. And she be, started coming on Sunday mornings. She took a teaching job here in Salina and is now our youth director, kind of the adult that works with our GA to make sure all of our um, youth stuff is ready to go. Um, but she's also now a member of the board at university. So the thing that, that Brenda represents, Brenda represents the finished product of what we're trying to work with, right? So we have these students that go through a program that have a experience in the local church while their time in college. And wherever they move to, we're, we're sending out a product that's ready to serve and, and be part of the church fabric, uh, the behind-the-scenes fabric that makes churches go. Brenda just happened to stay in Salina. And so now the church is getting to see that. But we've also had interns that graduate and move to Florida, that graduate and move back to Arizona, that we've sent them away with a phone call to the local United Methodist churches in their town, a call to the district superintendent saying, this student is coming to your community who spent four years in a program, and we would love for you to connect with them and make sure they are connected with the local church when their feet hit the ground. And we do that with every intern that graduates. Every intern that leaves this program will have a call to a pastor, district superintendents in the area they're moving to. That when, when those students' feet hit the ground back in their home communities, they'll already have a pastor who have reached out and trying to connect them with ministries going on in their church. This is such a 21st century story on several levels. One is you got out of the building and built relationships in a community, which we have to do today. So that's the first. Secondly, you began to really focus on developing a community of Christian leaders and believe that as you 
poured into them that seeking first that, the rest would be added unto you. Third, releasing those leaders and allowing them to to spread out. They're not yours to hold on to until the end of time, but you release them and the impact goes global. That's 21st century Christianity. And it's exciting to see it happening in Salina, Kansas. Yeah, there's one other aspect of that, Paul, that is, is the, one of the most challenging parts is getting two churches, two Methodist churches, who, uh, who have been a mile and a half apart from each other for 100 years to actually work together. And, and I think that's what we're hoping to model as well, is that if churches are going to survive, they need to work together. They need to use and combine the resources they have because every church has unique gifts and talents that can augment the church down the street. And we found a way to, to do that. And, and as Nick said earlier, he alluded to the challenges. It's not like there's, there's been no challenges. There's been, there's been hurt feelings and, oh, you're just going to try to take us over. And, you know, you have to build trust between the churches but in today's day and age, when we're just not going to have enough pastors to go around and churches are trying to figure out how to survive, we've got to show people a way to work together, churches to work together. Well, usually when we talk about partnership, it's about survival. It's about consolidation, even merging. This isn't about survival. It's certainly not about consolidation or merging. It is about partnering so that both churches can flourish and so a university can flourish. Exactly. And that's exactly why Nick and I got together because I was new to town. I didn't know anybody. And I, we, we kind of hit it off when we were talking, enjoyed each other's company. And, and we decided to get together the next Monday for coffee. And I said, hey, Nick, you want to uh, do this the following week? And he's like, Eric, I need somebody that I can talk to. <laughs> Pastors don't have anybody to talk to. Let's do this every Monday. So we formed our partnership long before we had any idea that we would be actually trying to bring our churches together into partnership. And something I can't recommend enough for pastors today is find another pastor that you can talk to on a regular basis. So we dove into this idea of partnership, right? And so we we started with a pulpit swap is how we started. Is I went and preached at Trinity, and Eric came and preached at university, and we did that about once every seven, eight weeks and got to where the congregations begin to get to know the other pastor. And then through a grant from Kansas Wesleyan, we were able to get an associate pastor that serves both Trinity and University. So her appointment is the associate pastor for Trinity and University United Methodist Church. And so we added another staff member that was able to do some of that congregational care since some of my time is taken up from the college. And so we went to the DS and we said, what if Eric, Pastor Chelsea, and myself are all appointed to both locations? What would that look like? What if Eric walks into the building at university and he's their pastor and I could walk into the building at Trinity and I'm one of their pastors and we go from introducing ourselves as I'm Nick Talbot, senior pastor at university to my name's Nick Talbot. I'm one of the pastors here at university. And I think that changes everything because, you know, stylistically, right? I'm the bald headed bearded guy with tattoos. Sometimes the 85 year olds look at me like I'm crazy, right? And, and that's fair. So this partnership has also brought other layers of pastoral care. You know, Eric is an executive. He's had that corporate experience. I am an old wrestling coach and football coach. I have that experience. Pastor Chelsea has deep congregational care and campus ministry as well. So we all three bring different gifts to the table. And because of this partnership, we're all able to pastor 
all three locations of University of Trinity and Kansas Westland. Friends, this is the Churches Changing podcast. We have been in conversation today with two really, really interesting characters, Nick and Eric. Um, Chelsea wasn't here today. Maybe if we talk again, we can bring her next time. Oh, she's lovely. That'd be great. They work as a team, and they have changed the rules a little bit, and it's been organic. And one thing led to another thing, and now they're partnering with the university and their community, and they're discovering vital ministry in Salina, Kansas. Guys, I just can't say enough how glad I am that you took an hour to to chat with us today. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you. Because you got a lot going on. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. I appreciate it. The Church is Changing podcast is a ministry of the United Methodist Church. Church is Changing podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.